when you first started driving? What's your first memory of, of kind of being in a car? And that's different for everybody, because I wanted to say, for me, starting to like think about roadways and stuff like that, I remember when I was like four or five, knowing exactly where to go. Like knowing exactly where, like I could have, obviously I probably couldn't reach the pedals yet, but I probably could have driven to most places that we had been regularly. I just kind of was one of those kids that paid attention. But then I had, and so like when I got my car, when I was 16, I knew where to go everywhere in the city. There's very few places that I didn't know where to go. However, I have some friends that are approaching 30 or in their early 30s, and they can barely make it home if you don't use Google Maps. I don't need Google Maps. Google Maps is literally only there for me to let me know if there's traffic coming. There's the odd time where like, I'm out in the boonies hunting, and I need to like, find some range road that they say exists, but then there's a dead end in front of you. Anyone ever been through that? Other than that, and like knowing where I am to stay alive while in the wilderness, I don't need a map. We live in a, like, a, oh, I should also say, I grew up in Mill Woods, which was honestly designed by a crazy person with a spirograph. So, like, if you can navigate Mill Woods, there's nowhere people are like, yeah, I spent two weeks in New York City. It's crazy. It was in Istanbul, just an absolute chaotic mess. Like, dude, you've never been to Mill Woods, have you? <laughs> that place is crazy. Concrete jungle, Mill Woods. Um, so, so, like, I just knew where to go. But like I said, I have a friend, he's in his 30, 30s, and like, I have to like, draw him a map. And So for you, whatever that stage of life you were in, that was when you started to become cognizant of the roads around you, I want you to look back to that. Think about how different things were back then. Think about how much different your drive was. A, a good example of this, I was looking back trying to think when I was even a kid. Do you remember 23rd Ave and Calgary Trail or Gateway Boulevard, whatever it's called now? Before there was that intersection, uh, the, the overpass, it was a set of lights. How barbaric is that? Think about what we were doing. We did this every day. Like trying to turn left there or trying to, like, trying to get through. Like, no wonder people were getting in accidents. It was one of the busiest. It's literally the gateway to your town, and you just have a set of basic lights there. So then they spent, I remember them spending like way more money than they were planning to on that overpass. Worth it. Double it. I don't care. Do it again. It was worth it. I want you to think even beyond that. The Anthony Henday. That thing, like, first of all, I think it's taken some people's full lifetimes to build. But like, I remember like before that, have you tried, the yellow head is bad now. But before the Henday, do you remember trudging along in rush hour down the yellow head? Whoever designed Edmonton, like, you know what, we're not, when we plan this town, we're going to have no north to south highway. No way to get north to south. You can go east to west as many ways as you want. North to south, no chance. <laughs> great planning, Edmonton, in the 1950s or whatever. It wasn't, wasn't great planning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's huge. I just, I just get on the hen day. It's super easy. I remember when the white mud wasn't straight through. I remember my, some of my earliest memories is driving by when the white mud was under construction. Can you imagine having to stop? Well, some of us can because we did, but stopping at lights at like 66th Street and, and 91st Street on the, on the white mud, it's crazy. What I'm trying to say is do you, it's easy to forget how, uh, how hard it was or how different it was and, and how uh, easy to take for granted the way things are now. A good example of this is I was reading a book just this week uh, talking about the interstate highway in America. Uh, in the United States, 
after World War I, the president, or World War II, sorry, the president at the time put out a, a decree basically saying we have to get a, uh, a west to east across, excuse me, across the country uh, highway. Because in World War II, for them to get to one end to the other of the country, it was almost impossible, like dirt roads everywhere. And uh, they're like, this, this is brutal. And in my mind, you know, you think like, probably one of the most powerful countries in the world, America, you would have thought that there was a highway there the whole time. This highway was started in the 50s, and it didn't finish until 1993. I was four, year old, four years old when, when the America had their first interstate highway. That's not that long ago. It's easy to forget that we haven't always been at this level of comfort when it comes to roadways and stuff like that. And there's probably lots of different areas that you can think of like that. Of course, I want to talk about God. I want to talk about the church. But before I start, I want to say this. If it's your first time here in church, I want you to know that today, probably the vast majority of my talk is about stuff that would be representative of people who are already engaged in church. Uh, but a good chunk of this message as well is for you if it's your first time here. Being part of a church is so much more than just meeting here on a Sunday. Being a part of a Jesus-based life is about so much more than that. And I hope that you walk away this morning with a better understanding of what it means to be engaged in a church. And again, uh, if you have any questions, I would love to chat with you after. I want to start with the Bible. Sometimes it's not always possible just in how you're constructing a talk or a message um, to start with Scripture, but any opportunity I can. I like to start off with the Bible because the Bible, again, is God's written word. Like it's God writing his, his plans, his intentions, and, and, and his laws for us. Um, and, and he shares that with us. And if you've never engaged with that before, you have some skepticism here this morning about that, well, God clearly didn't write, you know, on a big desk in heaven and then fax it down to us. Um, it was written by multiple people over thousands of years, but with God's uh, just design and his intention. And, and again, you can be skeptical all you want with that, but if you really believe in an all-powerful God, you would believe that he would be able to coordinate something like that. If he could coordinate the creation of the stars, the sky, the world, um, every, every last atom and proton that exists in the world, I think he can figure out how to get uh, like a certain amount of people to write some stuff down. Uh, a good way I heard it explained in the Alpha videos was that the architect of the amazing cathedrals in uh, Europe, they didn't actually build those brick by brick, but it was their design. And it was the people that they, they coordinated to actually lay down the groundwork that, that built it with them. But still, they designed it. It was their architecture. And that's really a good way of explaining how Scripture works for us. So if you have a Bible app um, or a, a physical Bible, um, if people still carry those, uh, you can go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27 and read along. But I got it here for you. It's titled, One Body But Many Parts. It's a little bit longer, so just bear with me. But... There is one body, and this is Paul talking, there is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we were formed into one body. It didn't matter, matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand. So I don't belong to the body. By saying this, I cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown, but they're treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put all the parts of the body together. And he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. So it's like really wordy. He says the word body a lot, right? Like when I say it out loud, it kind of becomes almost a bit of a tongue twister. And it seems a little bit odd. Could you imagine if you just like picked up a Bible for the first time and you read this verse? It's kind of like, what's he talking about? Like, like eyes arguing with hands. Like this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But when you really think about this as a metaphor for, for the church and for what we do here, even just specifically at Eaglemont Church, um, it's perfect. It's a perfect metaphor for how the body of Christ should work. And again, if you've never been to church before or you don't really know the vernacular that we've used around here, the body of Christ, it's a way to explain the movement of what? Of God, the church. Um, we're, we're more than just a group that meets here on Sunday morning. Uh, the church or the body of Christ is a living, moving organism that's, that's active. So that's really where the metaphor comes together. It's interesting, uh, some of these metaphors, they go further and further, and they're, they're super accurate. I want to give an example. I like what he says about if, uh, if one is injured, one part of the body is hurt or suffering, they all suffer together. I've gone through this a couple of times with sports injuries. If you've had any injuries in your life, you probably have experienced some sort of understanding of this as well. I, I had a torn ACL when I was 21, so about eight years ago, maybe it was 20, somewhere around there, eight or nine years ago, tore my ACL, which is the worst. Like what that is, is it's one of the, the ligaments in your knee, uh, but it's the most important one. There's a couple around there, I didn't even know. I guess in high school I had torn my MCL, we found this out later. I didn't even know. It had been torn for like seven years and it, it, it's not a big deal. But if you tear your ACL, there's like a 99% chance you're going to be in some significant, significant pain and you're probably not going to be able to walk or your knee will start to buckle. Like this thing is really important. Um, while it was healing, before I had surgery, um, just starts to heal and the swelling goes down to the point uh, where you can start to walk on it. It's still not good. You have to be careful with it. But what happens is the rest of the muscles around it actually start to compensate for the lack of stability that is there. And it, it got to the point where my hamstring uh, was starting to get super, super tight. Like just, it was hard to even move it. You couldn't really bend it in certain ways because it was tightening up to take the tension and to take the weight that the ACL normally would have been there to do. And another example of that was actually my calf muscle in that same leg over the next couple of weeks became so tight and so cramped, like it was cramping because it was trying to support weight that wasn't there before constantly. Another really good example of this is not only were those muscles in my right leg trying to like support the lack of stability that the ACL had done, my left leg You've ever, who's ever walked with a limp? You put way more effort into the, or weight on the opposite side. It was so bad that over the next couple of years, because it took a couple of years to get surgery, as it tends to do, um, and I remember looking at my flip-flops 
which were leather flip-flops. And I still have a pair of them where my left flip-flop had like probably five or six times deeper impact in it than on the other side. And that's partially because I'm a pretty heavy guy, especially back then. But like the weight distribution was crazy to one side. The rest of my body took on the weight that was brought on by a lack of ACL. We exist as a church like that as well. In situations where people are suffering or people are, are struggling, that metaphor doesn't just disappear. As different parts of the body, we're supposed to step up and help other people within the church community. And we've seen that here lots of times, and I hope that you've had the opportunity to, to either engage in being part of that support or to have been supported for it before, because it goes both ways. You'll notice there's lots of times where if somebody's going through some sort of medical situation or, or there's a traumatic event, a lot of uh, people in the church will rally together and make meals just to take some of that, that stress off. Uh, to, to, I guess when you have surgery, it's not easy to, to cook a full meal, right? So uh, just I've heard some of the amazing support stories of, of something as simple as that just being a real positive thing in people's lives. Uh, if people need help with moving stuff or whatever it is because they, they can't physically do it at that time, there's lots of situations where we've seen people come together and do that. Um, that's a really good example of the support but what I really want to talk about is the different gifts. And, and Paul talks in this verse a lot about that. Talks about the different, uh, the different sides and, the, and that there shouldn't be different sides amongst body parts. And this is where we explore kind of the thing that seems a little more obscure of like a, an eye can't say the hand, he's not as important because he's, he's not part of the body. What he's saying is it doesn't matter what skill set you have. It doesn't matter how important you feel your skill set is. You are incredibly, unbelievably valuable to the active, moving cause of Jesus. You are incredibly important. What God's given you and your skills, whatever those look like, you are important and valuable and necessary to the body of Christ, to the movement of God in Beaumont and in this church and just in general. And sometimes, who... Who compares? I think it happens with everybody, right? We compare our lives. We compare what uh, we might have, for my truck to the, this guy's truck, my quad to this guy's quad, um, whatever it is, my, my clothes to this lady's clothes, whatever it is. We all have areas where we compare our jobs. We're always comparing. It's human nature. And, and generally, I, I get it, it's a natural thing, but it's often not healthy because we start to base our value off of what other people have instead of what we're able to either contribute or who we are. It's not a healthy way to live, especially in the church, when Paul is clearly saying that as a church, as a body of Christ, or as a movement, we all play equal roles and are equally part of what's happening and what God's called us to do. So a good example of this would be people probably look at the, at least as far as a Sunday morning presentation side of things, at the things on stage is probably more important or the visible things. That's just visibility is, is what you see and it, it makes sense. But I want you to think this through. So you'd be like, Jeff, you know what? It's great that you're saying all this stuff. It must be easy to say that, um, that it's important or that it's all equal when you're the guy that gets to go up on stage and you're capable of speaking to people and you're comfortable with that. Well, I'm really nerve, nervous and I'm not good at that. Well, preaching is great and being able to communicate is, is a big part of what we do here on Sunday. 
But if we didn't have people come in in the morning to be the chair team and to set up the chairs, people would walk in here and either they'd stand awkwardly or they'd leave. And I'd be preaching to an awkward room of like probably 20 people who are standing, be uncomfortable for me and for you, and probably lots of people wouldn't come. It would not happen. The chair team is incredibly important to what we do here on a Sunday. Uh, another good example is, Jeff, I'm not really good at, at music. Uh, I would love to, but I can't sing, and I can't play guitar, and I can't play drums. Uh, so I guess like, there's not really much value to me. I can't really do anything here. If we don't have the sound team at the back, or the people to set up the sound, or the people to pull the wiring for the sound, you're not going to really hear things. You go unplugged, but it wouldn't be that great for us. We wouldn't be able to hear it as well. What I'm trying to say is that there are so many different levels to what we do here as a church on a Sunday morning, and as well as other areas, that aren't the, the visible spots, the things that you might think are, are the primary roles. And that's what Paul's trying to say, is that there is no such thing as a primary role. Sure, there's a pastoral staff. Sure, even if you look at a physical human body, there's the brain and it directs. But a, even the smartest brain in the world, if there's no hand, can't do uh, can't knit, can't create, can't walk without feet. It doesn't matter how smart it is if it can't do things and move. And you might be thinking, well, my skills or whatever I'm doing isn't that valuable. I really don't even, at, even at the, at the smaller level, I don't really bring a lot to the table. Not true. There is always something we can do. There's always something super, super important. There's a function that you can bring to Eaglemont Church, to the church in general across the world, that is going to be not only just help out, which is great that you can help out, but I want us to take a shift culturally in our church and not just see our roles in, on a Sunday morning or in different service opportunities as helping out. You are a part of something amazing. You are a part of as, as a church, we are a part of reaching our community and reaching the world. We're, we're a movement. That's what started over 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the cross and commissioned his disciples to go out and to make disciples of all nations. When he said, go and do it, we're still a part of that. We get to be a part of that. Every little thing that we do, every little thing that you do as a church, as, a, as somebody serving God, is a part of something absolutely significant and amazing. I'm not just saying that. You have the opportunity daily and weekly to step into an amazing opportunity to change the world. And I don't say that lightly. Obviously, there's a number of different ways that we can change the world, and I don't want to just pin it down as, as, a, as a Sunday gathering. There's living as an example. It's important for us regularly, of course, as, as, as followers of Jesus to to live as an, as an example in everything we do at work, at our hockey teams, at our paint nights, or whatever it is that you do. Um, there's also sharing the gospel verbally. I think if, if that's a natural progression, if you live an example, you're going to have the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. But likely, one of the main ways that we get to uh, do ministry and, and do th this thing that is called the church is by serving on a Sunday or being engaged in some sort of church-related organization. I, and I don't want to say that that's the only way, because obviously it, they're all very important, and it's very important that you don't just say, church is the only place that I engage in reaching our community, because we want to be doing that everywhere we are. But a huge part of what we do is, of course, Sunday morning 
and the different connecting points, whether that's youth or feel or whatever it is, children's programming throughout the week. Opportunities to engage our community, to, to have our communities come and engage in programs that, that, we, can, uh, that we can serve them. So a good example would be Mega Sports Camp. But here's what I want you guys to know, and this is, this is the big one here, is that as a church, as a pastoral staff, I know as a council, as, as a team, we can't do this thing without you. Specifically, I'll speak as a pastor. A pastor can't do this without you. We can come up here and Marlo would mirror this and Marlo can come up and share um, vision and can share plans and he can share uh, excitement about what we're going to do or, or whatever the plan is. But without the people moving, it just won't happen. Without people in this church serving, it won't happen. And there's so many of you that, that are and do and have been doing that faithfully and regularly, and so thank you for that. But here's my challenge. It's easy to just kind of get complacent. It's easy as a church or as a Christian to get to a point where we don't necessarily engage like we used to where we've kind of become normal with the fact that this is how it is. Just like we can look back at how, how much uh, more work it was to get around Edmonton or whatever it was like 15, 20 years ago and, and think, well, it's easy and kind of forget just how good we have it now. We can kind of forget that's in that same way about what we're doing here. A good example is that Eaglemont Church, we're almost 13 years old. If you've been here, who was here from the very beginning? Just put your hand up. A couple of us. 13 years old, we're starting to get a little bit older. We're by no means an old church, but we're at a stage where it would be pretty easy to start to just fall back into old habits. This is what we do every week. This is who we are, and, and this is how it's done. And that's not just anything new for, for Eaglemont. I think we do that as Christians. Think back to when you first, if for those that believe in Jesus here already, when you first accepted Jesus, first started your Jesus-based life, how excited were you? How much zeal did you have? How passionate were you then? Is that passion still there, or has it been up and down throughout your life? Has there been times where you have to remind yourself of just how exciting it is that you have that freedom, that you have this relationship? As a church or as a Christ follower, both, in both those areas, we need to remind ourselves of just the significance and the value and the excitement that comes from what we get to do and who we get to follow, and that's Jesus. If we're going to live as an example, we need to be fully aware of just how awesome it is that we get to do what we get to do. So are we going to be a church that falls into a cycle of just kind of doing it week to week? And I'm not saying that we're there yet. I'm just saying, are we going to allow that to happen? Or will we be on guard and will we regularly remind ourselves of just how passionate we need to be and why we would be passionate? Because Jesus called us. Jesus called the church. Paul's giving an example of this moving organism, this, this well-coordinated, well-oiled machine with different parts being, using their skills and, and their, their trades and, and, and whatever it is that they can bring to the table, no matter how big or how small they, they think it is. And every member of that church, seeing each other as equal and seeing each other as valuable, no matter what culture they're from, no matter what economic group they're from, it doesn't matter what, what their... Uh, 
what their tax bracket is. It's that we're all equal. We're all moving together for the same role. Will we recognize as a church regularly that, that this is an exciting thing and something that we need to engage in? Because not only do we need to do it because the Bible tells us to, but because there's a world out there that is suffering and that doesn't know it at times. That there's a world out there that doesn't know Jesus, that is living in existence without the most important part of life. And we need to, we're called to bring that news and bring that light to their lives. That's exciting. And I hope that we can remind ourselves regularly, every morning when we open our Bible, every time we pray, every time we walk out our door and we see Beaumont or we see whatever community we're living in, that we would be excited about the opportunity to serve as a church. You have talents. You have skills. You have value. We can't do this without you. So here's my challenge. What can you do with your skills, your, your trade, your talents, whatever it is, what can you do that will change Beaumont? That will engage in church to make, make us more effective as Eaglemont Church? And those could be two different actions, but two same things. What can you do in your community? What initiatives can you start? What small groups can you engage in? Could you start? Is there something that God's put on your heart that you want to do to reach Beaumont? And on another level, if you're, not, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been attending Eaglemont for any amount of time and you're not serving in some capacity yet, and this isn't to judge or to, to shame, let me ask you why not. We're all called to, to serve. We're all called not just to serve the church, but to serve God, to be a part of this mission, to be a part of this goal, to reach our community. If you're not engaged yet, I'm not going to give a shame on you or anything like that, but let me ask you why not. And let me challenge you to find a role, find a place. It might fit perfectly, or it might not be the most comfortable thing you've ever done. But there's something for you to be engaged with. And maybe it's not just on Sunday morning. There's, there's, I know we need fuel leaders in the fall. Um, we need youth leaders really, really bad. I'll, I'll throw this out there. We only have on a Friday night. Our Wednesday nights are, are a little bit different and smaller. But when we have um, over 100 kids and as high as like 180-ish kids here on a Friday on the high nights, we have two girl leaders right now calling in kind of people to come in and, and set our numbers uh, a little bit better every once in a while, but two girl leaders regularly. And they're great, but that's, there's a lot of, that's, it's not enough. There's other situations, that's not just a plug for that, but there's other situations where we need people to engage um, in different areas. And obviously not everybody's going to fit into every slot. Uh, not everybody's going to be uh, Friday night leader, but you, maybe you want to engage in feel. Maybe you want to do a small group. Maybe you want to be a part of the kitchen team. Uh, for, we're going to be doing a, a new cool thing with a cafe uh, in the fall. We're using that space over there and having some, some different, there'll be more information coming out. You can ask me after about that, but I don't want to spend too much time on that. But there's lots of opportunity is what I'm trying to say. There's so many opportunities if you, uh, and, and they're all valuable. Chair team, like I said, is so important. If you, if you are able to stack chairs and you want to come once 
or twice, I'm not sure what the schedule is like exactly, a month or every couple of months, whatever it is, to come and stack up the chairs so people who don't know Jesus have a place to sit, email the office or just come talk to me after, fill it out on a communication card. We need those people. We need, it. We need people everywhere. And I'm not just trying to sound like a desperate plug here. Now, this message wasn't crafted out of a sense of desperation because that's not at all where we're at, to be honest. But the desperation that I want to share with you this morning is a desperation for, for, to see people in our church engage in the mission of Christ, to engage in seeing people become members of a Jesus-based life and to have a fulfilling life around us. It's not just for us to do stuff. It's for our church to reach people. How can you engage this morning? How can you engage this fall? What can you do to make sure that the cause of Christ is furthered in Beaumont? Matthew 9.34, you've probably heard this a bunch of times. It says, uh, his Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And I know when I read this, I always am like, yeah. So what's with that? It's everybody's fault but me. I don't really look at it like, like the harvest is great, but yeah, where are all the other workers? And maybe, maybe you're super engaged. But I don't think that Jesus wants us to read this as just like another way to look at, yeah, what's wrong with everybody else? Why aren't they engaged? We need more workers. It's a self-reflection. What can I do to further the harvest? What can I do today, tomorrow, this coming Sunday, this fall? What can I do to be the worker that brings a great harvest, uh, that brings more people to Jesus in our community. This is a line that, that I read that I really, really liked. I think I put up the slide with this one. This isn't just your church. You are this church. And that's a mentality that as Eaglemont Church, we need to get behind. Is that to get into the habit of just attending, being here on a Sunday morning. I love that you're all here. I love I love Sunday morning. I love connecting. I love talking. Um, I love seeing you all here. But if we ever get to the point where we're just regularly attending, 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 and this just becomes a cyclical rotation of Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, we're missing not just the point. We're not just missing what we're called to, but we're missing an incredible opportunity. You will never be more fulfilled than when you're existing in the space that God has called you to. You'll never feel more comfortable in, when you're, than when you're in a place of discomfort because God calls you to that spot. The place when people become dis, like, discontent with church is when it becomes mundane and they're not engaged with it. I've been there where when I was younger, I wasn't engaging and, and then you start to find little things to nitpick at. If there's things about church you don't love, get engaged. Make it, get serving. Make it better. Take ownership of it. This isn't just your church. This isn't just Eaglemont Church. You are this church. It's moving, breathing. And without you, we're not going to be able to achieve what we need to achieve. So like I said, here's, here's the final challenge. If you're not engaged, if you're not serving, please find a space. If you're not sure where that is, come and ask. Just say, hey, I'd like to try something out. Or, or where do you need me? That's always the best. Where do you need me? And I've seen lots of people step up and say that. Where's the greatest area of need that I can, I can step into? Or maybe it's a specific thing that God's been calling you to in your life to come and try out in a, in a service role here. Give it a go. 
if God's been asking you to do it, give it a go. And I also want to say this, if God's been calling you to some sort of anything, has put a dream in your heart, and this isn't just specifically serving on a Sunday or a Thursday or a Friday with different areas, I'm talking just in life. If God has been putting something on your heart over the last little while, and he's like an initiative or something to do in this town, something that he's called you to and he wants you to do, and you know it even though you've been pushing back and forth, you've been saying, that's kind of difficult, that's kind of scary. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do it, and you need to do it. So I want to take just a quick moment, and I want to pray for you guys. And I believe that, that God's going to put things on people's hearts, uh, give ideas, give dreams, is going to give areas to, to step into where it could be your next great adventure with Jesus, a new department, a new spot to serve. And uh, I really believe, yeah, he's going to talk to you. And I just pray and I, I hope and I encourage you uh, to be open to those ideas. So let's pray. God, thank you uh, just so much that we get to be a part of this thing called the church. Thank you for Eaglemont Church, and I, I just thank you that um, we get to use our, our gifts that you've given us. God, I pray that, that you would continue to bring us to new places and exciting places. God, I pray that uh, people in this room, and, and myself included, that we would find the places that were the most effective and that we could bring the most benefit to the cause that you've brought us to. God, I pray that Eaglemont Church would be so impactful to Beaumont. I pray, God, that if this place was gone, that, that the town would just be broken because they would miss us so much. That that would be the impact that we will have as we exist here. God, I just pray that, that the community, this would be the heartbeat of our community. That the, the actions and the activities, not just the ones we plan, but as, as a pastoral staff or whatever it is, God, uh, but also just the activity of, of the people that are living in Beaumont, that are a part of Eaglemont Church, that are here this morning, that their daily lives would impact this community so much that they would be seen and be felt as the heartbeat of our community. God, we can't wait to see what you have in store for our town and for our church. And God, I just pray that the people here and myself as well would just catch a little bit of that fire, a little bit of that excitement this morning. God, for us to find spaces where we can serve God, just speak to us now. Areas in our church, areas that we, could, we can work, uh, that we can bring the ministry to, a, to an even better place. God, I pray for, for those dreams that we talked about. For uh, people that maybe have, have painted themselves into a corner into what they think they can do. Expand their minds and expand their boundaries as to what you could do through them. Uh, give them dreams that, that scare them but that they know you've called them to. And God, we know that you don't call us to things unless you know that we can achieve them. So just speak to us now this morning. Again, we worship you and we're so pumped for what you got for us. We love you. Amen. Again, just wanted to close off say, this isn't a negative thing. This isn't a not enough people are serving conversation because man, we have so many people that are so engaged. If we didn't, nothing would be here right now. There wouldn't be uh, youth happening on Fridays and Wednesdays and field and mega sports camp. All those things are awesome. But this is a continued encouragement and a reminder that this is not something that can happen unless we're all actively part of the same team. We're a team. We need each other. Not one of us is, is less valuable than another. And you're all appreciated and you're all needed.